please take out a copy of God's Word and turn with me to Luke chapter 12. We're going to read the first 12 verses of chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Beloved, the grass withers and the flower fades, but God's Word is eternal. Let us give our attention to the reading of it. In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You who are more val- you are of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. This ends the reading of God's Word. Let us ask His blessing on our time in it this morning. Lord Jesus, you know the darkness of our minds and our hearts. You know our fears and our doubts. And so we ask that you would flood this darkness with the light of your grace and peace. Open our minds to your truth. Grant us hope. Grant us faith. Increase our understanding. And allow us to receive you through your word. Let your love shine through the pages of your scriptures. May your spirit be with us as we read and hear. May he grant us that we might delight in all we encounter. In your word we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it seems like the world is filled with fears these days. and Maybe it's not new. Maybe it's always been that way. But fears are all around us. I remember as a child learning uh, that big word for fears and the different kinds of fears, you know, phobias. There's arachnophobia, the fear of spiders. There's acrophobia, the, the fear of heights. There's claustrophobia, the fear of small, tight spaces. But I found a few new ones this week that I thought you might like. Ataxophobia, the fear of untidiness. Chlorophobia, the fear of clowns. I like this one. Arachibutyrophobia, the fear of peanut butter. True. Tim? Yeah, I know. And bear with me on this one. 
Hippopotamostrosis eliquidadeliophobia. The fear of long words. Yes, true. I think in today's cancel culture, the, the fear that is pervading our society right now is known as FOMO. The fear of missing out. The fear of not belonging. The fear of, of being out of the know, left out, lagging behind. That, that, that's what drives people to check their phones every three minutes to check social media so that they just don't miss out on anything that might happen. And it causes a lot of anxiety. Fear. The power it wields cannot be overstated. And that fear leads us to do things that we would prefer not to believe we are capable of. Rightly placed fear can, can lead you to do the right thing, and it can even lead you to be braver than you ever imagined. Bad fear leads you to do bad things. Good fear leads you to do good things. But here's the th problem. Here's the issue. What you claim to fear and what you actually fear are not always the same thing. What you really fear is revealed when life gets hard. And that's not a bad thing. Because when you know what you really fear, then you can address it and you can look at it and deal with it. Last week, as we looked into uh, that episode with the Pharisee and the lawyer, we, we saw Jesus say that it's what's inside that really matters. The heart is really what matters, what he really wants from you. And, and, and what uh, people present as reality is often a, an act. It's a facade. They're, 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 they're pretending, they're, they're, they're hypocrites, they're actors, they're, they're liars. And God has no patience for hypocrites. But knowing that hypocrisy is bad, and knowing how to conquer it are, are two radically different things. To battle hypocrisy you must learn to battle false fears. I'm going to say that again. To battle hypocrisy, you have to learn how to battle false fears. Because, because God wants you to understand in our passage today that, that hypocrisy won't last forever. It can't. What's inside and hidden in our hearts must be revealed. It will come out in time. I tell this to our, our elders all the time. Like when we're, we're questioning whether somebody's really repentant or not, give it time. It will show itself. Without a doubt, it always does. All we need is time, and we will see the reality, the truth. What's inside and hidden must be revealed. The remedy to false fears, to bad fears, is understanding God's love. That's what our passage tells us. That's how we battle false fears. We have to understand God's love. And that's what our passage says. And so we're going to look at two things, really, big big picture here today. We're going to look at what is hidden. <laughs> he says, what is hidden will be revealed. So we're going to look at what is hidden. And that's, that's hypocrisy, the, the secret lies of the hearts. And then we're going to look at when and how they're going to be revealed. He says, what's hidden will be revealed. And so that's what we'll look at next. And as we do, we're going to see that confidence in the love of God means that you don't need to fear things like sickness and loss of freedom and even death. That confidence
confidence in God's love for you teaches you that you don't really need to fear those things, those things that tend to scare us the most. That's what we we hope to see as we look at this passage today. Uh, So speaking to a large crowd, Jesus takes the opportunity to warn them about the leaven of the Pharisees, which he says is hypocrisy. He's taken an image from uh, cooking, leaven, it's like yeast, you know, it's what makes uh, the dough rise. Uh, Hypocrisy is one of those words that is thrown around a lot today, but not always clearly understood or clearly defined. We all know that hypocrisy is bad, but we don't always define it well. The result is that many people who aren't hypocrites think they are, and many people who are hypocrites don't think they are. And so let's just be clear on on what hypocrisy is and isn't. Let's start with what it isn't. Hypocrisy, first of all, is not having a high moral standard. Having morals does not make you a hypocrite. Hypocrisy is not stumbling and falling, failing to perfectly live up to your moral standard. In other words, hypocrisy is not the opposite of perfection. Because everyone is weak, everyone fails, That's not the definition of hypocrisy. That's just part of being a human who is weak, who struggles, and needs grace. In other words, when when Peter crumbled before that slave girl, what he was dealing with was, was weakness, not hypocrisy. Peter was wasn't pretending when he professed love for Jesus. He wasn't lying and trying to manipulate Jesus. Peter was simply too weak to stand strong in the face of adversity. And it's times like this when Paul's words to Timothy that we heard in our declaration of pardon this morning are so comforting. That saying that's trustworthy and true, that that if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Peter wasn't truly denying Jesus, but he was being faithless. And Jesus remained faithful. That's not what Jesus is condemning here. That's not hypocrisy. So what is? Hypocrisy is when you pretend to hold certain ideals or standards that you don't really hold. Hypocrisy is when you pretend to love someone that you don't really love. At its heart, hypocrisy is acting. In fact, that's where the word comes from. Hypocrites play a role. They're intentionally deceiving others into thinking that there's something that they're not. In other words, hypocrisy is manipulation. It's fraud. And it's fueled, hypocrisy is fueled by an obsession with what other people think. That's what drives it. When people's opinions of you is more important than the truth, hypocrisy finds its fuel. A hypocrite is more concerned with his reputation than he is with his character. 
A hypocrite can't stand the thought of looking bad. And so he can't let any offense go. And he must respond to every little insult. It's fueled by an obsession with what others think. It's born, hypocrisy is born of an inflated sense of self. A hypocrite thinks that when others fail, um, or, or sorry, a, a hypocrite thinks others fail, but not her. A, a hypocrite feels worthy of, entitled to, the love and the respect of others. A hypocrite struggles to entertain the possibility that, that her opinion might actually be wrong. A hypocrite spends all her time confronting the specks in others' eyes, never seeing the log in her own. When kindness is shown to a hypocrite, she believes it's fair, that she deserves it, that she's worthy of that kindness, that if she needs help, it's because of some unforeseen, unavoidable circumstance. But if others need help, <laughs> it's because of bad decisions, failing to plan. It's born of an overinflated sense of self. And it flows, hypocrisy flows, from a disengaged heart. God says through the prophet Isaiah, This people draw near with their mouth and they honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. God says they pretend to fear me, but they don't really. And so a hypocrite will do good things. A hypocrite will appear righteous. But the motivation of all of that is not a love for God. There's no humility. There's no brokenness. A hypocrite is not seeking grace. A hypocrite is seeking leverage. Now, while everyone might not be defined by, as a hypocrite by hypocrisy, most of us deal with some level of hypocrisy in our hearts. So here's the test, how to tell if there's any hypocrisy in your heart. You ready? If you've been listening to these three qualities of hypocrisy, that it's fueled by an obsession with what others think, that it's born of an overinflated sense of self, and that it flows out of, from a disengaged heart. If you've, if you've listened to that list and you have been thinking about someone else and not yourself, you have hypocrisy in your heart. And it must be dealt with. It must be removed. But how? How do you rid yourself of hypocrisy? Jesus says, beware the leaven of hypocrisy. Cut it out before it grows, because that's what leaven does. It grows, it expands, it fills every nook and cranny. If it's not dealt with, you have to nip it in the bud. And yet, how? What? That's the great question. How do you deal with it? Well, if you're going to, to get rid of it, you must first know what drives it. Hypocrisy is driven by the fear of man. Look at verse 4. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. you got to love that. Okay, so he kills you, but what can they do after that? <laughs> Most people are thinking, isn't that enough? And Jesus says, no. This is where hypocrisy must be dealt with. 
Living your life to please those who have no eternal power leads to hypocrisy. And the fear of man can take on two forms. It can simply be the fear of their disapproval. This is what Paul addresses with the church in Galatia. He says, Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul says that when when my loyalty, when my, my need is to please man, when I live in the fear of man, I can't live in the fear of God, and I'm not living to please him. The two are incompatible. So the first first fear of man that drives uh, hypocrisy is the fear of losing man's approval, but the second is what man might do to you. Beat, physically harm you, imprison you, even kill you. Whether it's fear of disapproval or fear of harm, it comes down to, quite frankly, the fear of discomfort. We have made an idol out of our comfort and our length of life. We fear death. We fear discomfort. We fear slavery. We fear sickness. And when those fears drive us more than the fear of God, we will treat others in a way that dishonors God. When we fear death, discomfort, sickness, slavery, more than we fear God, we will treat people who are made in His image in a way that He does not approve. We would do things, we'll do things that He will never condone because we're worshiping something other than Him. And the only remedy is to learn where to place our fears. Look at verse 5. I will warn you whom to fear. Let me be clear, Jesus says, fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Jesus is saying this. If if you're more concerned about earthly life, earthly comfort, and earthly health than you are eternal life, eternal comfort, and eternal health, then you will act hypocritically. There's no other option. He says without qualification that fearing death or earthly affliction is incompatible with a fear of God. False fears are what lead Christians to treat each other so poorly. They lead you to worry only about yourself. They lead you to a false sense of moral superiority over others. They lead you to uncharitable judgments towards others. But again, he tells us hypocrisy is a hidden reality. It it lies hidden in our hearts, shrouded under false pretense. And Jesus says that nothing hidden will remain hidden. All will be revealed. And the question is when and how and where. I think it should be clear that they will be ultimately revealed on the last day. In fact, our our passage is beginning a a long uh, uh, treatise on the last day. Chapters 12 and 13 are all about the final judgment. God warns us in his word that he will judge the secret hearts of men. 
But our passage tells us another place where hypocrisy is revealed. It's when you're brought before those who have the power to make your life hard. Verse 11 mentions religious rulers and other rulers, but it could also include those who have the power to ostracize you or, dare we say it, cancel you. It's anyone you might be tempted to please instead of God. Anyone who has the power to make your life unpleasant, any situation that threatens to take away your health, your safety, your comfort, these are the moments where what is deep in your heart will be revealed and will be tested. Because hypocrisy is driven by a fear of the wrong thing, it will show itself in trouble. When pressed by fear of retribution or or fear of humiliation, hypocrisy will show itself. And Jesus warns that those who deny him before men, he will deny before the angels in heaven. Those who acknowledge him at the cost of their comfort, safety, freedom, or even their lives, he has promised, he will acknowledge and receive into heaven. And it's here, again, that I need to emphasize the difference between weakness and outright hypocrisy. What Peter did was was hypocritical in a sense, but done in weakness. And because of that, it shamed him and he repented. This is what Jesus calls in our passage a word against the Son of Man. Whereas true hypocrisy, uh, person-defining hypocrisy, self-righteousness, it runs deeper. It leads you to stand in judgment over God, what Jesus calls blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. This was illustrated a few weeks ago when when Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, cast demons out. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders said, oh, you're doing that by the power of Satan. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a condition of the heart where one accuses God of evil where one believes he or she is morally superior to God. And what is it that causes most people to stand in judgment of God? It's when their life gets hard. It's when they see pain. And what do they say? They say things like, I refuse to believe in a God who allows this to happen. Or, if God allows something like this, then he is not a God I want. Trouble, pain, loss, fear of death, they reveal what's in our heart. And the warning is clear, this will not be overlooked when you stand before him. And so the command is clear, that the response is clear, humble yourself, repent before it's too late. Well, if you're anything like me, you probably want to climb under a pew or a camp chair right about now. Maybe you want to throw in the towel, give up and admit defeat. Because the bar is just too high. The standard is just too hard. Because which of us can dare to claim before the all-seeing eye of God 
that there's no hypocrisy in our heart. I never feel the wrong thing. I never stumble. I never, I never treat people poorly out of pride and self-righteousness. What hope is there? How can hypocrisy be defeated? Or put simply, is there any salvation for us? And the answer is yes. But in order to find that, you have to look outside yourself to the one in whom there is no ounce of hypocrisy. There is only one who is perfectly free from hypocrisy. When Jesus faced the threat of death, do you remember what he said? He asked his disciples, what, what am I supposed to pray? Father, deliver me from this hour? This is the whole reason I came. When his freedom was threatened and his disciples wanted to take up swords to, to, to defend him, he stayed their hands and he put out his hands to be bound and led away and gave up his freedom for us. When his honor was assaulted and he was accused of all sorts of evil and the temptation to defend himself was at its greatest. He remained silent until the last minute, and then when he opened his mouth, do you remember what he said? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus is the one in whom there is no guile, no deceit, no hypocrisy. He alone can stand before that perfect judgment seat and be declared free of hypocrisy. And so your hope, your only hope, is for him to come to your defense. Your only chance of making it through that final judgment is for him to plead your case for you. Because if he does, his argument will sound something like this. Yes, he is filled with false fears. Yes, she has uttered words against the Son of Man. Yes, he is weak and has stumbled at many points. But she has acknowledged me before man. He has sought refuge in my grace. I have stood in her place. I have borne his judgment. She is mine. Judgment has no claim on him. That's what it means he will acknowledge you before the angels of heaven. At the risk of sounding overly simplistic, hypocrisy is defeated in the love of God. And I didn't say by the love of God. Hypocrisy is defeated when you are enveloped in, absorbed in, and taken into his love. It's not a tool that, that's, that's brandished. It's a place of comfort. Look again at verses 6 and 7. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, for you are of more value than many sparrows. Why don't you need to be afraid? Because God loves you. If hypocrisy is born of fear, fear is cast out by love. If you want to stand in the face of those who threaten your life, your health, 
your safety, your freedom, then you must, you must understand that the God of heaven knows you, loves you, and cares for you. He knows the numbers of your hairs on your head. You're of great value to him. And even if you lose your life, he has you. Even if you lose your freedom, he delivers you. Even if you're canceled, he loves you. That is your hope. That is your confidence when hard times come. I think we, we often wonder, if I was dragged before wicked men, if my freedom was on the line, if my life was, was threatened, would I have the courage to stand strong? Would I find the words to acknowledge my Savior? That's what the promise of the last two verses of our passage are about. That's why they're so important. When Jesus says that you should not worry for the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say, he's not saying that you will have the perfect argument to convince those who are mistreating you to stop what they're doing. Don't worry, you're going to find something to say and they're going to be like, whoa, I'm sorry. He's not saying that you will suddenly morph into like the greatest apologist and you will leave your accusers flummoxed by your brilliance and eloquence. He's simply saying, he will give you the grace and the strength to confess Jesus. Perhaps there's no better example than Stephen in Acts 6 and 7. It's interesting that the passage, I think, says three times that he was full of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's important. Because he was brought before the synagogue leaders. And they accused him of blasphemy. And as they picked up stones to put him to death, he was allowed to see into heaven. And what did he see? He saw Jesus standing ready to defend him. Found in Christ at his death, he... He was given the power by the Holy Spirit to essentially repeat the dying words of his Savior, Lord, do not hold these sins against them. He knew that Jesus was his defender. And so the Holy Spirit gave him the perfect words to utter in death, to cling to his Savior. Not because he was stronger than anyone else. But because he belonged to Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwelt with him. And, and, and when that need was at its greatest, his strength was found. If you have acknowledged your sinful fears, if you have owned your hypocrisy, if you have acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you fear God more than you fear man, 
then the same is true for you. And God promises you that he will give you the words to utter when the time comes. And that you don't need to fear death. You don't need to fear those who can take your safety, your freedom, your life. Because the God of heaven knows the number of the hairs of your head. Because the God of heaven loves you. Because he cares for you. And he has sworn to you that if you acknowledge him before men, that there is a place for you in heaven. And God takes his promises seriously. He has to. He's not a hypocrite. He never says one thing and does another. He doesn't make promises he can't or won't keep. And to help us understand this, he attaches signs to his promises that serve like signatures on a contract, binding him to keep his word. And this morning he attaches the Lord's Supper to what he has declared to us in his word to comfort our hearts and our minds. To tell us that he will not change his mind. He will not forget his promises. That he will not fail to make good on all that he has sworn to us in his word. That as assuredly as, as that bread and wine come into us, his spirit has come into us. And will strengthen us in our need. And yet God's promise is double-edged. To the hypocrite, it's God's oath that your hypocrisy will not remain hidden forever. That a day is coming when all will be revealed. And God will not be fooled. But to the one who humbly turns to God in faith, it is his oath that you have an advocate in heaven. That you will not be abandoned in your hour of need. And that heaven awaits you. And please join me in prayer. Most merciful Savior, we humbly acknowledge that you know our secrets, you know our hearts, and that nothing is hidden from you. And while this scares us, it is good, because we want to be known by you. We want to learn to fear you above all else, and to see everything in light of eternity. And yet we struggle, we stumble, we fall, and we fight against you. And so we thank you that you are our advocate, that in you there is no deceit and no hypocrisy. Teach us more and more to take comfort in you, we pray. We thank you for the promise that if we own you, you will own us. Amen.